what is going on you guys and welcome back to another video if it is your first time here my name is brandon as always we do have our investing academy as that first link down in the description below today i wanted to talk about a lesson that i took away from the recent berkshire hathaway annual shareholders meeting this is of course the live presentation done every year by warren buffett and charlie munger typically this is done over in omaha with a packed arena of shareholders who come from all across the country to come listen to these guys speak and answer questions for hours and hours. But over the past couple of years, it has been digital and I tune into them whenever I can. I'm sure a lot of you guys did too. So if you did actually watch this uh, live, leave a comment down below. I'm curious how many of you guys did. But anywho, the lesson that we are going to be highlighting today revolves around the example Buffett gives of the automobile industry. And this example actually dates back a hundred years ago now. So I think the exact year that he is uh, talking about in this clip, which I'm gonna share for you in a second, he dates back to 1903, when the automobile was just in its inception. And at the time they didn't even have rear view mirrors. This is like really the, the ground floor for where this, uh, this industry would evolve over the years. And what he says in this example is he says, if we knew what we knew today, okay? So if we could fast forward 100 years to today and see just how large this automobile space would be in our modern lives with the amount of cars on the road, with the amount of uh, infrastructure and freeways and highways that are all over the place and just how crucial this industry is to our lives, it would make a ton of sense that from an investment perspective, there was massive opportunity in this space going back to 1903. And in in fact, many investors at the time, if they saw this future and if they saw this outlook, they're probably thinking to themselves very rationally that I need to get some exposure into the space. I need to get my hands on anything automobile related because we know the success that this is gonna have over the next century. Now, not to uh, bust the, you know, I don't wanna spoil the video as I'll play it here in just a second, but the lesson that he teaches in this clip is that for every successful company that we have today, and there's a handful of names that we associate now with the car industry that have done very, very well, there are hundreds that failed in the process. And it would have been a major mistake as an investor to just think that because this is a very, very promising industry, that anything we touch in here would be a good long-term investment. So let's go ahead and watch the quick clip and I will be back in just a second. Secondly, uh, people get enormously attracted to various industries. I mean, they think if you you know, if a company says it's in the XYZ industry and that's a popular one, you can can sell IPOs, you can can sell SPACs, you can, people uh, disregard sales numbers, earnings numbers, it's just, you know, it's the place to be. So, um, Berkshire Hathaway, where was the place to be in 1903 when my, uh, my dad was born in 1903, but that wasn't really that big of news, but, but and it wasn't big news that actually Henry Ford was starting the Ford Motor Company. He failed a couple of times before, but he was about to change the world. I mean, the, the auto, when you think about everything. We've got a great auto insurance company, but if there weren't any autos, we wouldn't have Geico. Uh, the, uh, but it, it transformed the country. Uh, 
and then report brought in the five dollar daily wage and that was a huge thing assembly lines everything autos let's just assume that you had seen a quick glance back in 1903 of all the interstate highways 290 million vehicles on the road in the united states uh you know everything about it and say well this is pretty easy it's going to be cars it's going to be autos well we own a company called marmon we bought it from the Pritzker family some years ago. They owned this company, Marmon, which in 1911 had been a uh, uh, the company whose car won the first Indianapolis 500. Uh, maybe that's why they called it Marmon. They were proud of the fact that the company in 1911 named the first, uh, won the first Indianapolis 500. It also was the company that invented the rearview mirror. Let's just assume that you decided that autos were this incredible thing and someday there'd be an Indianapolis 500 and someday they'd have a review mirrors on cars and someday 290 million cars would be buzzing around the United States car, or autos or uh, the county trucks there. Uh, and so I decided to look at the history and I thought I'd put up the list of auto companies from over the years and uh, I was originally going to put up just the ones that were the M's so I could get them on one slide. But when I went to the M's, it went on and on and on. So I just decided to put up the ones that started with M-A. And as you can see, there were almost 40 companies that went into the auto business, just starting with M-A, including our little, our Marmon there in the middle column, and uh, which... Uh, uh, lasted for a while, quite a while. But, uh, it was selling cars in the 1930s were really quite special. Uh, but in any event, there were at least 2,000 companies that entered the auto business because it clearly had this incredible future. And of course, you remember that in 2009, there were Three left, two of which went bankrupt. So there is a lot more to picking stocks than what, figuring out you know, what's going to be a wonderful industry in the future. Uh, so I just want to tell you, it's not as easy as it sounds. So a very interesting and insightful clip there by Warren Buffett, at least in my opinion. And when I saw that live, I just thought, ooh, um, I'd love to come and chat about this and make it a little video topic and share my thoughts on it with you guys and how this relates to the modern day. And just on a side note, by the way, which I thought was funny, when I was watching this uh, Buffett clip in the other room the other day, my girlfriend chimes in from the other room saying, why is he talking like, why is he sounding like that? Why does he talk like that? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, why does he sound like that? I'm like, that's just his voice. The guy's like 90 years old, cut us some slack. But yeah, he does, uh, he does sound a little funny, but okay. How does this apply to the modern day? Because what I find very interesting about this clip is he doesn't name any companies in particular. He doesn't point out any industries where he feels this would be the case, but he just more or less shares this broad wisdom that he's learned and experienced over the past century that just because there is a successful industry, that doesn't mean that every company within this area is going to do well. In fact, what I'm sharing you on the screen is just a list of 
just the companies that started with MA that went defunct and ended up not uh, panning out in this space. And it's just a great example to me, a phenomenal example or display of how, again, a promising industry does not automatically equate to great investments within that industry. There may be a handful, in fact, there very likely will be a handful, but it's not as easy as just going out and buying this new exciting industry. And to tie this into today's uh, video, I get questions all the time, all the time in the comments and DMs and people reaching out asking me about what are my thoughts on this uh, new area, this unproven area that, oh, I see a lot of promise here, whether that be, I'm not going to name any, but you're probably thinking some to, your, to yourself right now. And especially if you watch a lot of YouTube, it's very common that these areas get coverage because again, it, it sounds very rational and it makes sense that these industries will do well and they very well may do well do well over the future, but we always have to be cognizant of the actual investment itself. And yes, there will be a handful of winners, but keep in mind, you know, people tend to overlook the fact that with those winners are just a handful of losers. And I actually brought, or I didn't bring, I forgot to bring a book here with me today, but there was a book that I read a month ago now. I'll pop it up on the screen for you guys. It was a book about the uh, FANG stocks. So Facebook, Alphabet, or Amazon, Netflix, and Google, I should say. And basically talking about how these companies did it and how they operated their business and how they became these huge horsemen that are so intertwined with our lives today and they're a huge massive success. And what people tend to forget when you see these big companies, we all think that they are pioneers of their industry and they led the way and paved the path for uh, each respective industry, which in a sense they did. And a lot of people actually make the mistake of calling these companies the first movers in their space, saying that, you know, Facebook and Google had the first movers advantage, right? The first ones into the market getting all this space and um, uh, all these customers and the lack of competition. That's the huge benefit as to why they're so successful there today. That is far from true. In fact, what I would actually question for you guys in a new exciting field is this term first movers advantage. Is this actually a disadvantage to be the first mover in a space? And in that book, there was a line that really stuck out to me saying, how do you know if a company's a first mover, uh, if they're a first mover or a pioneer of a space? Well, you'll know exactly who is because they'll be the ones with a bunch of arrows in their back. And it's actually the companies that come in after, not necessarily the first ones, but it's the ones that come in after and learn from the mistakes of the first movers. They find cheaper ways to undercut. They uh, learn from the mistakes. I think I already said that. But they're the ones that actually end up doing things more successfully. And in the case of, let's say, Facebook, for example, well, of course, they came after MySpace. And they got a lot of information and insight from that company. Apple, you could say, well, they've revolutionized the world. Yeah, they did. But they weren't the first ones to make PCs. They weren't the first ones to put computers in homes. They just did it differently. They just did it better. Even you could say Google. Google was not the first search engine out there. They just seemed, They just found a way to do it better. And this is not just a thing of the past. This happens every single day. Even in the modern day, we can think of examples, especially for our millennial viewers. Look at a company like Snapchat, which was so unique in their own way for starting these disappearing stories and uh, the very quick style of videos. Well, guess what? A company like Instagram 
just comes in, or Facebook, I should say, just comes in and mimics and copies and has a lot of success in putting up their own Instagram stories or copying reels like TikTok. It's learning from others and piecing things around that I would say is actually very fair to say that a first mover advantage is actually as equal or maybe even more a disadvantage. And, you know, I think too, again, obviously some of the fields today, like let's assume electric vehicles. Obviously you guys knew I was going to talk about electric vehicles, but I'm not going to get too deep into it. But the companies out there today that are really paving the way, no pun intended, but paving the way to this field, these are the ones that are getting through all the, the tough government litigation. These are the companies that are investing heavily in the technology and figuring figuring out what works and doesn't work. And they're making mistakes and they're learning on the fly. And what's to say another company or competition with deeper pockets doesn't just come in and literally start poaching some of these people from the other companies. We're gonna poach a bunch of the sales, uh, or a bunch of the reps from Tesla or the design people from this company or whatever. Getting back to what Buffett said, it's not as simple as just saying a booming industry is automatically a great investment. So really to kind of get to the wrapping up and finishing of this lesson is more or less meant to be kind of a reminder. Anytime I watch those Buffett videos, there's nothing really that new. Well, there's always new things, but it's the traditional investment uh, philosophies and practices and wisdom that's just recited in different ways. And it's a reminder to anybody out there, especially the new investors, if you are out here on YouTube, that you got to be careful with who you consume and who you listen to. And if you were to ask me, you have someone here, Warren Buffett, who's invested for decades and decades and decades and has seen it all, saying to be careful with new industries and to invest in what you know, keep things simple and uh, you know, invest in good businesses. And then you have a, a YouTuber who's been doing this for a year or two, promising you guys that there's this new exciting area that uh, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Again, those investments do, some of them do pan out, but just understand that there is a serious, serious risk that comes with that. If you ask me who I'd listen to in that case, I'm gonna go with the 70 year plus years of wisdom and investing experience rather than you know a young person, even like myself. If I'm a young person out here saying this stuff, hopefully you guys can listen to my uh, information because I'm not trying to you know sell you the dream. I'd actually say it's the old boring advice that works, is not sexy, it's not flattering, but if you can stick to what you know, stick to companies that you know are already making money, they don't have to go through a whole bunch of uh, hurdles and steps to maybe potentially pan out, you can do very, very well as an investor. And even Buffett gives the example, which I'll try and throw a clip up here. He says, if you believe in the broader economy, if you believe in the success of America, for his given example, you can buy an index fund. And as long as you're able to manage the emotional side of investing, you're probably going to end up doing just well, doing very, very well as an investor. So that was really my uh, video that I wanted to share with you guys. There were a ton of big snippets from that uh, from that presentation. There always are. I'd actually encourage you guys. I'm not going to say go back and watch that whole thing because uh, I didn't even watch the full thing. It's like four or five hours long. But one thing that I would suggest, if you are looking to learn more about solid investments and solid um, advice, take a moment and go to Berkshire Hathaway's website and go through the old uh, letters to shareholders. These go back decades and decades. And I guarantee you, you're going to go through and find a ton of great wisdom and snippets 
what I find so uh, appealing about Buffett's strategy and philosophy is that over the years, technology changes, things change, the companies in and of themselves change, but the principles and the fundamentals they remain same through the entire period. That'll be all for today's video, guys. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this topic. If you have any, you can leave them down in the comment section below. If you enjoyed today's video, take a moment and drop a big thumbs up as that totally does help. If you're not already subscribed to the channel, we post videos every single week, so subscribe and then do check out our Investing Academy. If you are here in Canada watching this and you want some training, some courses, anything out there to help make your investing uh, better, to better your investing, click the first link down below. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.